0: Rugby KO, a podcast that pulls no punches. We deliver rugby insights from passionate enthusiasts from the grassroots to the global game. Players, punters, professionals, and partners providing uncensored opinions on how the sport of rugby can thrive again. Welcome to Rugby KO with your host, katrina oxenham curtis bradford is currently the head coach of the austrian sevens team and also the backs coach for the austrian men's 15 aside team he has previously worked with the waratahs in australia the tigers in kuala lumpur the welsh rugby union and also in finland all in rugby roles he was involved in the friends of rwanda rugby project bringing rugby to children living in impoverished regions of rwanda curtis is the youngest world rugby coach at age 25 and has experiences from around the globe in rugby to share today. He is keen to see rugby in Austria grow and developing each rugby player to leave the jersey in a better place for the next representative of Austria. He brings a new vision and enthusiasm to the sport in the country and is an exciting coaching talent in the world of Union. Hi Curtis and welcome to the Rugby KO podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Curtis I just wanted to say I'm very thankful that you and the rugby community there in Austria are safe after some recent unrest and you've apparently gone back into full lockdown also due to the pandemic Um, what's it like over there currently and and how are you going how are you coping
1: yeah we're coping I think for us it was obviously quite a scary scary situation last Monday but to to be completely honest with you uh we went into lockdown uh, at midnight on Monday evening so it's been quite difficult for me to to gauge what the the mood is in the country at the minute so i think it's it's obviously the big thing we have is it's it's just shocking because it's such as a small country really austria so it's one of those things you don't expect to happen here but yeah, I think it's just a lot of sadness right now and just trying to work through it as best we can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you're all safe. And Curtis, you're currently the head coach of the Austrian sevens rugby side and also the backs or attack coach for the Austrian 15s side. How did you end up in Austria and with these coaching appointments?
1: Yeah, it was quite a strange one, really. So I've Moved around quite a lot, playing and coaching um, since I was about 22. And yeah, I'd just done a season in Australia and I was coaching in, up in Byron Bay, which is a, a nice spot. And yeah, we just kind of finished the season there and I was, I was keen to come back to Europe and be a bit closer to home. And I was looking around at opportunities and yeah, randomly one day just got an email from the technical director here. And, yeah, we had a interview. I was staying in a, a youth hostel in Cairns at the time and we had a Skype interview and yeah. it was quite eventful, quite lively in, in my background. About two weeks later I ended up flying to Vienna and we had a national team camp that weekend and haven't really looked back since then.
0: Yeah. You must be one of the youngest national coaches going around in world rugby. Do you know?
1: No, yeah, I'm not too sure. People have said that to me but... Yeah, I think it's the head coach of the men's 15s. He's only a few years older than me, so I think he, he's probably a bit a bit annoyed that he's in second place, if that's okay. <laughs> yes. So you're
0: also coaching a club side over there, I believe. What's that experience like? What's club rugby like in Austria?
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. They're a great, great bunch. We don't have a, a full women's side, so so I tend to focus more on our men's team and they're great they're they're a great enthusiastic bunch they're your typical amateur rugby team so they definitely enjoy the the after party as much as the game. <laughs> in many cases it's been a bit tricky recently with, with obviously the pandemic and we we did get the green light to to play in September but we kind of were up and down on player availability and, and players not sure if it was the right thing to do to play in the, the current circumstance. But aside from that, they're they're great. And I think for us, we're, we're kind of in this real transition period where maybe we're trying to develop club rugby in Austria and, and obviously me working with this club, but also trying to keep that sort of amateur feel and not go too far into trying to be like it's done in Wales or like it's done in Australia or the more mainstream rugby country so it's a it's a difficult balance to strike and me being very competitive I sometimes forget that these players are amateur and and they're just doing it for a hobby so mm. but they're yeah they're terrific and I've got to say it's going into my third season now and I think in fairness to the players they've really bought into what what my ideas were and they've come with a lot of ideas of their own and yeah, they've improved a lot in this time and I think that's that's down to them really and their, their commitment and work ethic.
0: Mm. So do you know how many players there are in Austria that participate in rugby? I, I read somewhere that there was around 1,300 players and about 18 clubs. Is that right or
1: do you know? I'm not too sure on the player side, to tell you the truth. On the club side... The the situation we have is we have clubs that are officially clubs, but they probably don't have players or enough players to participate on a regular basis. So you have in our league sort of structure, you would have sort of five teams. I think it is now in the premiership. And then there's three or four that compete in a competition beneath that. And we also include Bratislava from Slovakia because obviously they're the neighbouring country mm. so in terms of active clubs playing 15s it's probably not as as many as 18 i think you said but it's quite possible that throughout the country you, you would have these clubs and they sometimes merge with other clubs to to play in sevens competitions or tens competitions or or various different games going around so it's pr- it's probably active. We're looking probably more about between eight to ten, I would say, but regularly play across men and women that that would be. So These I'm talking clubs that just put out one senior team, whether that's a, a men's team or a women's team. But yeah, I think the, the big thing we're trying to do at the minute, and it's maybe different to what other, other unions try and do, is of course we still run our our participation programs where we're trying to boost the amount of players playing, but we're also really trying to focus on the the quality of what what we're delivering. So like I've mentioned, I'm based at one club, the other national team coaches is based at another club. We try to the best of our ability to support the, the other club coaches as well. So what we've really tried to, or the union's strategic target there is to really improve the the quality if you like of what's being delivered and the hope is that through that we then develop the the talent we've got but we also retain a lot of that talent mm-hmm. whereas you know you see it in in some places where you get a lot of people go to a club for example but then it's maybe not as enjoyable and they maybe drop off and and you're back to square one trying to recruit players so what we've tried to do is We are still doing our recruitment program, but we're really focusing in on how do we retain these players. And we figured the best way is to make the sessions as high quality as possible and try and develop them as as quickly as we can, but efficiently also.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a good approach. So, Austria competes in the Rugby European International Championship and is a third-tier nation with countries like Andorra, Bosnia, Bulgaria, Denmark, Finland, Norway, Serbia, Turkey and others. Um, What is that competition like? And do you sometimes stop and consider how truly global rugby is?
1: Yeah, it's quite exciting. Just going back to when I was finding out I was going to come to Austria, I remember thinking like wow this means I'm going to Norway in a month to play Norway away and so it's yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty unique rugby in that sense and I think it, it it's what makes it special you know you always uh find friends you know among among these perceived smaller rugby countries you know just through your shared love of, of rugby so I think that is very special as far as the competition it's very interesting is and it's it's challenging and it's enjoyable and it's very rewarding so i think we if i look at it from the the 15 side with the men's 15 we are currently in a, a competition where we play against moldova finland denmark and norway which is again exciting these are interesting places to visit and a lot of fun but it's good rugby as well and and also, they they're very the variety of how these teams approach the game also is very interesting. So, for example, when we play Norway, they're very physical, very direct, almost very traditional in in their approach. It's kind of an old school British game, if you like, where they have big forwards and and try and bully you. Whereas we played Denmark, and it was like playing against Fiji at times. Like they they really move the ball around, uh, run us off our feet, really, and. Yeah, so the variety and the challenges we approach there is is interesting. And then on the seven side, I've got to say it's it's a lot of fun, both on and and off the pitch. Like we go with the women, and I think the sort of the nations we set tend to come up against quite a lot are Croatia and Latvia and teams like this, and throws up a lot of interesting challenges. And it's it's just great, also from a coaching perspective when you when you get chance to decompress after and you you reflect on it and you talk to the other coaches from the opposition as well and and you sort of hear of the challenges they're facing on uh, from unions for a similar sort of size, and rugby has a similar profile in their countries and and compare notes and things like that, I think it's really for me very very interesting and almost you get more almost out of that than than the games themselves at times
0: yeah mm. and so Austria, well, last year at least, was ranked about 88th in the world. What are the goals moving forward in relation to success on the field? Now, I think that is the 15 aside, not the 7s. Is there, is there a hope or is there a goal, a medium or long-term goal, that Austria can perhaps compete at a Rugby World Cup side? Sorry, tournament?
1: Yeah, so I think, yeah, first off to that, I would say in fairness to Rugby Austria, they were actually ranked a little bit higher before before we came in and we, we kind of made the decision that we wanted to really focus on building something special with Austrian-based players at, as best as we could and and trying to really develop something over a period of time. So we weren't necessarily going in and picking the best players to try and win on the first Couple of games, we wanted to try and develop something that would be more sustainable over a longer period of time. And obviously, when you do that, there's, there's you know, uh, repercussions to that short term where, you know, we lost a few games, we dropped down the rankings slightly, but it started to pick up. And then typically now we're, we've gone into this pandemic, which has parked things slightly. Mm-hmm. So, on the 15 side, that's, that's kind of what our vision was as, as we came in uh, as a coaching group. In terms of Rugby World Cup, I think if that was going to happen, it would be a long way off. Like I think we, yeah, we we would have to. I mean, I'm not even sure if it is possible for the next World Cup at the minute. Possibly we've already blown that chance. I'm not sure. So I think if if we're talking about this, we're talking, yeah, fifty fifty plus years away. So what we really need to try and do from the point of view of the existing coaching staff and the existing player group is just try and lay the platforms for the next group to come through and just try and, well, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but leave the jersey in a better place than where we found it. And if we're doing that and we're doing our work in the pathways and and with the academy teams and the, the youth teams then the next wave of players coming through will be, of a better quality perhaps and then they can take it a little bit further and I think that's probably the approach we need to take as a smaller nation mm-hmm. I think also though as as I've heard other uh, coaches from from similar sized nations say I think in terms of short term you're probably going to experience more success in sevens possibly because obviously there's less players you need. So in terms of travel costs and accommodation costs, if you want to have a camp, that, that's just a no-brainer, but it makes it easier. But also I think it's something where at the minute it's it, a lot of these countries are just starting to realise this. So if you move quickly, you can just maybe get ahead of the curve slightly. Yeah, And I think that that would be something that we've talked about in strategic meetings, for example, and said, you know, short term, Perhaps the sevens is somewhere we can we can have a little bit of success while building and developing our 15s program at the same time. So it's not something we want to do at the expense of 15s. It's something we want that will complement 15s, ultimately make us more competitive in rugby, whether that's sevens, 15s, touch rugby, whatever it would be. On the women's side, it's slightly different because the women's side don't have a 15s national team. So for them, it's it's a lot more straightforward that we we really focus at all our efforts on sevens, and the women are, are coming along nicely. In fairness to them, they they were relegated a few years back, and then we had sort of in my first season, then we had a the opportunity to promote to the the next highest tier. But only the top two go up, and we came third. We won the bronze final, which for us in our first year, we had a few new players in the in the mix. It was it was a good start and a good platform for what we hoped this year would be us pushing on and trying to promote. Obviously, that's been paused for the time being, but we're hopeful that with the right preparation and the right approach to, to the next tournament, we can hopefully get in those top two spots and, and promote back up to the the trophy, which is the, the tier they'd come from previously.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's some great plans there for Austrian rugby overall. What are the main other team sports in Austria that you're competing with, rugby's competing with in terms of participation and attracting new players and keeping players is it football? Um, is it, uh, you've got skiing there? Like what are the yeah. sports that people are attracted to there?
1: Yeah, well, obviously skiing and other winter sports are, are massive in Austria. In terms of team sports, we tend, I wouldn't say we compete with football. I think football is the the biggest team sport here. So you don't really compete so much with football. I think football is kind of for now on its on its own. But yeah, in terms of, Team sports, we, you know, we get a lot of players who come to rugby. If we go back to the club team, but I'm working with Graz, we, we have players who come in from other sports and, you know, they come from all, all different backgrounds, really, and all different sports. So we've had basketball players come in. We've had lacrosse players come in. We share a field with the lacrosse team and also an ultimate Frisbee team. They even play Quidditch on that field sometimes. So there's all sorts of uh, yeah. wonderful sports going on but yeah i think it tends to be the thing we have in rugby austria is you tend to get players who either have tried sports and not really found their sport yet and then come into a rugby environment to try it or you tend to pick up players pretty late in life i say that Loosely, because you know if they're coming in and they're playing at twenty one that's not late in life, but in terms of developing a rugby player as I'm used to in in the u k and other sort of tier one nations, you would have people playing rugby from six seven years old, so the amount of time you have to develop is obviously far far greater, so I think that's partly the problem we we have is we tend to get players from other sports because they haven't quite found their their niche yet, or you get people who are Uh, maybe slightly later in in their development and they think, oh, well, I'll give rugby a go. So this is another big thing we're trying to work on at the minute. We try to put in more opportunities for junior rugby. We're trying to sort of restructure our schools program and and stuff like that at the minute. So hopefully that then helps us widen the net at an earlier age then so we can get those players in sooner and, and get ahead of other sports, you know, rather than, not taking players, but waiting for players to come to us from other sports, we can actually go out and recruit them as children then and and make them fall in love with the game at an early age. Mm.
0: So you've had a career where you've been in Australia and you worked on the far north coast, I believe, as you mentioned, Byron Bay and and surrounds. You also worked in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia and also Finland and, and also with the Welsh Rugby Union. What were those experiences like? You know, working globally, and we we do you take away specific things from those various countries, and and what are some of the standout sort of experiences for you in those places?
1: Yeah, I think for me, um, so I I sort of started coaching at a really young age while I was playing, and that was what took me to Finland. I was originally a player, and I started doing a player coach job there, and really really enjoyed it, really liked the challenge. I, I look back at it now, or I think it's six or seven years on now, and I completely cringe at how I would have coached things. I think that's normal. But I just loved the experience and I was hooked on it. So when I went back to Wales, I, I ended up getting a job as a, a development officer with the Welsh Rugby Union. And I was based in the school I'd attended as a pupil. And the club I was working with was my, my old club, or my my. <laughs> the only club I played for in Wales and I loved it for two years. I absolutely loved it, but I think I got to a point there. I would have been about 22 and I just felt I've really enjoyed this, but this is the same style of rugby. These are the same people. This is the same pitches that, you know, right. I've, I've been at my entire life. So I really wanted to to try something different. So I, I then went to, to Malaysia to do the, I was working for, Kuala Lumpur Tigers, uh, who are a partner club of Leicester Tigers, and also with a club called Cobra, and this was just such a wonderful experience. I I'd go back there basically every Christmas to run a camp for the Cobra Club, and I just loved it. It was a real eye opener off the field culturally. Uh, you know, from a little rural farming ca- county in Wales, and then going to Kuala Lumpur was yeah completely out of my comfort zone but loved it and the rugby side of it very similar I think the the thing I loved in Kuala Lumpur and it's the same to a point in Austria is when you coach in Wales or Australia the the pathways are very set and the way to do things is is very clear and it's black and white and and you don't really get the freedom to go in and out of the the those lines you know whereas in these these smaller rugby countries, you have a lot more freedom. You can shape what development looks like in this country and what's your approach to development. So it gives you a lot more freedom. As a young coach, I think you need to be able to be curious. You need to be able to make mistakes and you need to be able to use your imagination as well. So I think that was something I really loved in, in Kuala Lumpur and I enjoy here in Austria. And then when I got to Australia, it was just... But yeah, it was it was a brilliant experience again. Like like I said earlier, Byron Bay is a, a fantastic part of the world. Again, I would say a bit of a culture shock, <laughs> Byron Bay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, fantastic experience. And and you probably then for me, I had to really. Yeah, I think the big thing I've taken away from all these things is having to be adaptable. So, for example, the way I would speak to players in Byron Bay which is obviously a big backpacker party town and the way I would speak to players there and the way I would speak to you know players here in the national team or or you know speak to age grade players in Malaysia it would be completely different and and my approach to a training session would need to be appropriate to that so I think for me that's probably the biggest takeaway I've had from a rugby perspective on on all these experiences
0: Mm, Wow. So an exciting part of your work and things that you've done, Curtis, and a very worthy part, was the Friends of Rwanda rugby charity, where I believe the charity's mission is to promote reconciliation through sport using rugby to build trust, friendship and foster sort of shared experiences on the rugby field. I mean, how amazing. What, What about that experience? What did you actually do in Rwanda with rugby?
1: Yeah, so, it, yeah, fantastic experience. So I've been been twice now, in 2015 and 2016. Um, we, we would arrive at the start of the week and, we, you know, you would go to orphanages, you would go to schools and, and you would coach tag rugby and you would talk to coaches and teachers and try and explain to them how to, how to coach rugby also so that then they can deliver the program essentially when you're not there alongside that we we dropped off a ton of kit like so much kit it's it's unbelievable and and clubs in the UK and across the world actually were, were so generous in donating shirts or or old uh, equipment tackle bags uh, cones balls anything that they they could spare really so it was wonderful it was really a rewarding experience and I'm a very competitive person so when we when they said the schools were going to compete in a tag rugby tournament, of course I, I couldn't help myself. I <laughs> wanted my team to win, but I think just through the day, you know that they say it's the it's the taking part that counts. I think in these situations you you do really see that, and it does bring you a lot of pride and a lot of joy just to. To look at this uh, event that the charity puts on and and think, wow, like the, you know, these kids are having the time of their life. They're they're getting to experience a game that I've grown up loving, and I've been lucky enough to grow up and experience. And yeah, it's it's really special. But my mm. team did win, so I, I did, also, uh, I did <laughs> well done. like that as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well done. <laughs> so, Curtis, um, thank you for chatting today about rugby and giving us a really truly global perspective and, and through your experiences with Rugby Union around the globe. All the best to the Austrian Sevens side and also the men's 15. Uh, I wish you much success not just on the field, but also in developing the sport there and continuing to do what you're doing in Rugby Union. There's so many people around the globe that you've obviously made a difference to through rugby. So so well done to you and, um, yeah, thanks for your time today.
1: Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. Take care. Thank you for joining us at Rugby KO. Any comments or insights, please send to Katrina at rugbyko.com. For show notes and more about all things rugby, head to our website at www.rugbyko.com. We look forward to your company for our next episode of Rugby KO.